This call is being recorded. Hello, and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, <clears throat> Integrity Deficit Disorder. Today, we have a special event, which will be led by me, John Smith, <clears throat> regarding some news that I thought that my listeners would be interested in. And uh, I find these from the editorials of newspapers. And uh, I will, I shall begin the first one. Democrats' inflation excuses lead to inconvenient conclusions. Well, let's find out what this is all about. This is from James Freeman. Ah, yes, I remember this one. No. This column's headline is not about the latest art show featuring the works of Hunter Biden. This show is about the challenge for President Joe Biden and fellow Democrats in discussing inflation without mentioning its true causes. The politicians run Washington want consumers to believe that behind every price increase is a greedy capitalist. The journals Amaro Omeoke and Andrew Rostosia report that Mr. Biden is racing to show the public that he is taking action to address rising prices and bottlenecks amid mounting anxiety among some of his advisors about political fallout heading into next year's midterm elections. The political challenge for Mr. Biden is that his next and largest spending plan, the budget reconciliation monster passed by the House, will, be, will fuel inflation by encouraging demand for goods and services while discouraging supply. It's the story of his young presidency, and in its more candid moments, even Team Biden acknowledges the truth. <clears throat> Extremely low interest rates, reflecting Federal Reserve policy, and multiple rounds of government stimulus are contributing to booming demand for goods. Strong demand and limited supply are a recipe for inflation. In March, as part of the plan crafted on the 2020 campaign trail to prevent a repeat of the 2009 recession, Mr. Biden signed into law a 1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill that included $1,400 checks to many Americans, an extension of $300 weekly jobless aid supplements, and a one-year expansion of the child tax credit that provides periodic payments for many households. <clears throat> Some estimates by economists, economists have pointed to that package 
which coincided with a pickup in economic activity as COVID-19 vaccinations became more widely available as contributing to inflation. It was just a mistake and we're paying for it. And you just have to let it go and get there through the system and don't repeat the error, said Doug Holtz-Eakin, who was an economic advisor to President George W. Bush. White House officials acknowledged that March law, known as the American Rescue Plan, may have contributed to rising prices, a possibility, they said, that we're aware of before it passed. But they say that the law was necessary and and that they can take steps to combat inflation now. We recognize the stress, and this can be put on family budgets, and we're doing everything we can both on the supply chain side, the gas side, the offsetting of the cost side to help families, said Jared Bernstein, a member of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, referencing inflation. But we would not trade the benefits of the rescue plan for where we are today. The rescue plan saves lives. But acknowledging fault often isn't as much fun as blaming others. The journal account adds, White House officials said Mr. Biden would continue publicly calling out industries that he believes are raking in large profits while raising prices for consumers amid calls from some of Mr. Biden's outside advisors to respond aggressively to inflation to counter mounting criticism from Republicans. This column is not claiming that Mr. Biden's outside advisors actually believe that industries are causing inflation, but some advisors believe that blaming business polls well, and Linksy and Ashley Parker report in the Washington Post. The Biden administration has taken pains in recent days to show it's worth working to ease the pain of inflation for Americans. The emphasis comes after months of pleas from worried Democrats who have pressed White House officials to do more to acknowledge inflation as a central concern for voters and tout what they are doing to combat it. That group included at least four leading Democratic pollsters who've urged White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain to make a bigger show of the policies that Biden is pursuing to stem inflation, with at least one saying they should point the finger at the villains in an economy in which large companies have seen record profits, according to two people familiar with the conversations. In a Tuesday speech, Mr. Biden said, according to the White House transcript, I've asked the FTC to consider whether potentially illegal and anti-competitive behavior in the oil and gas industry is causing higher prices for consumers so we can ensure the American people are paying a fair price for their gasoline. I also want to, I also want to briefly address one myth about inflated grass, gas prices. They are not due to environmental measures. My effort 
to combat climate change is not raising the price of gas or increasing its availability. As for this last point, it seems that Mr. Biden has finally built a bipartisan consensus on an energy issue. Americans can certainly agree that this climate policies are not increasing the availability of gasoline. But as for his effort to cast aspersions on people who work in the energy industry, Mr. Biden and his pollsters are not the only ones who want to make business people the bad guys. Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat Massachusetts, said in a Wednesday tweet, wondering why your Thanksgiving groceries cost more this year? It's because greedy corporations are charging Americans extra just to keep their stock prices high. This is outrageous, she said. This week, Ms. Warren has been sending letters to energy companies, CEOs, questioning the extent to which these price increases are being driven by energy companies, corporate greed and profiteering. The senator cites Wall Street Journal reporting and shares her suspicion that energy companies are involved in some sort of profit maximization effort. Can you believe it? An accompanying Warren press release also cites the journal and accuses natural gas companies of limiting domestic supply. What makes the Warren message especially unpersuasive is that the senator's website still prominently displays an early 2020 press release accusing the Trump administration of seeking to expedite approval for U.S. fossil fuel projects. Limiting domestic supply has always been a Warren priority, except when she sees a media opportunity to blame business for rising prices. And she is not simply blaming the energy business. On Monday, she sent a letter to the Justice Department's antitrust division. I am writing regarding increasing prices paid by consumers for chicken, turkey, and other poultry products as a result of excessive consolidation, price fixing, vertical integration, and plain old corporate greed. Speaking of unpersuasive, Senator Warren's busy week also included putting out a statement regarding the president's renomination of federal, federal chair Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. <clears throat> but even though the senator expressed opposition, her statement somehow made no mention of inflation. Hmm. In some, Ms. Warren wants the consumers to think that rising prices are the fault of the people selling energy and food, but not the Fed chairman who has presided over a historic area of U.S. money creation, not the politicians like herself who have enacted record levels of debt-fueled spending. <clears throat> Mrs. Warren, Mr. Biden, and their colleagues may have trouble getting Americans to ignore the Washington roots of inflation. Mrs. Linksky and Mrs. Parker report in another sign that inflation has thoroughly seeped into the culture as a concern for voters and thus become a political concern for Democrats. The satirical Onion website even joined the ribbing of Tuesday with a fake but biting headline, 
about the Treasury Secretary's efforts to stem inflation. Janet Yellen announces Americans can use promo code THANKS for 10% off all U.S. goods and services. The Democrats seem to have a tough case to make in seeking to blame price hikes on businesses. But let's say they are successful in persuading consumers that surging inflation is actually a barometer of corporate behavior. They would then need to explain why the Biden era is characterized by such a historic surge in greed. Has Mr. Biden inspired selfishness to reach its highest level in 31 years? Well, James Freeman, thank you. Uh, I'd like my audience to know that I actually went to junior high and a couple of years of high school with uh, Elizabeth Warren. She was not known as Warren then. She had a maiden name, but uh, Taft Junior High and Northwest Classen, both of these were in Oklahoma City. I headed south to Dallas when I was a sophomore and migrated there with my family. Uh, I did not know her well. These were big schools with lots of students. I did not know her at all. Nevertheless, it uh, I found it interesting that an old friend who went to the same schools had uh, pro provided me with that information. Nevertheless, <clears throat> um, next item is entitled Democrats need to face down the woke. Identity politics has become dangerous to their cause. Even the socialists at Jacobin Magazine see it. By Peggy Noonan. <clears throat> I want to look at the woke education agenda and the Democrats. They can still push away from the woke regime and improve their prospects for survival in the next election, but they must move quickly and be clear. Our bias in this column is that it's good for America if there are two strong parties duking it out. They may not mean to, but they function as a unifying, stabilizing force in this broken up country. And it would be great national good if the woke regime were disrupted. Nobody likes it but the extreme cultural left, including the teachers' unions. It did famous harm to the Democrats in the latest election. The debate over nomenclature, nomenclature, why critical race theory isn't even taught in third grade is mischievous and meant to obscure. The work regime rests primarily on a charge that racial evil was systematically and deliberately embedded long ago by the white patriarchy in the heart of an all-American life, and that this ugliness thrives in undiminished, which justifies all present attempts at eradication. We are not persons with souls. We are part of identity groups marked as specific traits. We hate each other and must fight each other. 
This regime is variously compared to China's Cultural Revolution, the French Revolution's terror, and Puritanism. It is ideology. A philosophy bubbles up from lived experience and emerges in time. An ideology is forced down into people's heads from above, and its demands are always urgent. An important piece appeared in the Washington Post this week by Virginia public school mothers, Tiffany Justice and Tina Deshovich. They wrote that the anti-woke movement among parents is driven by many things, mask mandates, reading materials, critical race theory, but is about something more profound. When parents were suddenly within earshot of online classes, that became alarmed that children were being fed lessons on high, highly divisive topics of questionable academic benefit. But when parents began to push back, they discovered who really runs the schools, unions, school boards, whose members are often handpicked by unions and businesses that sell curriculums and textbooks. None of them put students' interests first. The public education system is a cartel. It's a big thing when people discover this, and the movement against it will continue, powered by two other dynamics. One is when, that when parents heard indoctrination during the kids' Zoom classes, they'd heard it before. They knew it from work, from endless human resources, anti-racism, and gender bias assessments. They didn't know the kids were getting it too and didn't like it. Second, when parents were home, they had time to master the arduous process by which the government documents are requested. That's how a parent in Loudoun County, Virginia, found out the system was paying consultants to instruct teachers among other things, in the difference between white individualism and color group collectivism. Peggy writes, Peggy Noonan writes, I've been meaning for a long time to mention the seminal piece on the subject, the one that pierced through and made liberal parents in my liberal town sit up and take notice. When the Culture War Comes for the Kids by George Packer, published in October 2019 in the Atlantic, the organized pathologies of adults, sometimes known as politics, <laughs> find a way to infect the world of children, he begins. Around <clears throat> 2014, a new mood germinated in America, then rapidly spread. This new mood was progressive, but not hopeful. It came to take on the substance and hard edges of a radically egalitarian ideology in New York City's public schools in which Mr. Packer's children attended the battleground was identity. <clears throat> Grade school affinity groups were formed to discuss issues based on identity, race, sexuality, disability. 
the city was spending millions in anti-bias training for school employees. One slide was titled White Supremacy Culture and included such traits as individualism, objectivity, and worship of the written word. It's a brilliant early piece full of arguments on why one should have reservations about the new regime. It didn't start during the pandemic. It continued during the pandemic and accelerated after the murder of George Floyd. Almost as if ideological opportunists coolly observed an opening, a nation in paroxysms of grief and shock and exploited it. Back to the Democrats. This ideology is of the left. You are the party of the left, not the right. If you do not kick away from the woke educational agenda, you will own it. Republican Republican operatives who don't have a clue about the implications of work woke ideology are why it's so damaging or how to answer it in the schools. We'll definitely hang it around your neck. Parents will demand you take a stand for or against and if against, what will you do about it? Tell the unions that fund and support you to knock it off. Do that. You'll look like you have some seriousness, some guts. You'll look like you care about parents, and it would actually be sincere. I never, ever met a moderate Democrat who personally approved of the woke education regime. Moderate Democratic officeholders fear party progressives who might challenge them in a primary. But the fight between the party's energetic extreme and the majority of moderate Democrats can't be managed or dodged anymore. The election of Joe Biden papered it over. Three months ago, the battle was engaged in Washington over economic issues. It will spread back home. It won't work to deny there is a problem in the schools. That is what Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did this week, denying there was any woke problem. It's all made up, she insisted. Woke is the term pundits are now using as derogatory euphemism for civil rights and justice. It was classic AOC. Deny a thing exists. Accuse those who say it does of using racial coding. Then come up with new ways to define the thing. Some progressives are trying. We're just trying to make sure the reality of slavery is taught in the schools. It worked for Terry McAuliffe. She's foundering on this issue. She's foundering on this issue. She is not a stupid woman. She does not, and as they say on social media, think daily savings is a bank. Daylight saving is a bank. When she's cunning with a naturally political spirit, a former Democratic lawmaker said dismissively of her that she's not a congresswoman. She's a social influencer. True enough. But in the current moment, that's a powerful thing to be. 
yet she and other progressive politicians are out of touch. One indicator, Jacobin, the American Socialist Magazine, this week issued a study done with YouGov saying the socialist project needs the working class and can get those voters by focusing on bread and butter economic issues. Then carefully, certain identity-focused rhetoric is a liability. In the study, candidates who framed opposition to racism in highly specialized identity-focused language fared significantly worse than candidates who embraced either populist or mainstream language. They showed they shade the problem as a rhetorical one as opposed to what it is, a substantive one. But they admit there's a problem. Even socialists are telling progressives to knock it off. If they can, a moderate Democrat can. Interesting piece from Peggy Noonan. And I have one closing piece from uh, the wisdom of George Carlin. Yes, George Carlin is no longer with us. Wisdom of George Carlin. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints, we spend more, but have less. We buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families. More conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense. More knowledge, but less judgment. More experts, get more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. George Carlin was a funny man and a wise one as well. I thought you'd enjoy that piece by George Carlin. He's, uh, <clears throat> he was quite a guy, very funny. Such a comedian that he was. I've enjoyed uh, reading today. Uh, my reading voice, I believe, is getting a little better if I move a little slower. Um, and uh, I will continue uh, frequently and infrequently to find half an hour of the news in an editorial to pass on to you. Uh, I'd like to uh, tell our listeners that um, I want to thank you for listening to us, listening to me. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. So long and happy trails to all.